going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Going the Distance podcast presented by ImmaculateSports.com. Twitter's at Sports. Instagram is also at Sports. TikTok, YouTube, Immaculate Sports. It's episode 108, the quarter mark for the NFL season. And we still don't know anything, but we're going to try. Yeah, it's very weird First four weeks of the NFL season, uh, there's not really too many teams standing out on both sides of the ball as far as good and bad. But we're going to try to differentiate on who is good, who is bad, who's been disappointing, who's been surprising. And we'll talk about a lot of that in the second half, a lot of specific team-based stuff in the first half of the show. But before we get to where's your head at, we got to do our openers. Skyler, what was the favorite thing that you saw in this past week? Yeah, for me, it was the Alabama-Arkansas game. You might be thinking, what are you talking about? You hate Alabama. They won by 30. Well, uh, this game was pretty close at first. Bryce Young, the quarterback, knocked out with a shoulder injury, and Arkansas goes on a 16-0 run in the third quarter. Uh, made it a good game, but, man, they couldn't hold on. Alabama ran all over them. Freshman quarterback Jalen Milrow came in and got it done. Um so for those those 15 minutes when it was close, that was the best thing I saw. <laughs> yeah, it was a very interesting game. Bryce Young getting hurt is definitely got to be the biggest thing from that game, though. I think Skyler will probably talk a little bit more about that in halftime during his Heisman watch. But I want to talk about the A's and their game on Sunday versus the Seattle Mariners in a season where the A's are 58 and 102. There's not a lot of pluses, but when you get those pluses, you had to make sure that you're not taking them for granted and we had a big plus on Sunday when the A's won 10 to 3 over the Seattle Mariners and the biggest thing in that game was Nick Allen, Christian Pache and Shay Langoliers all hitting home runs off of the reigning Cy Young, Robbie Ray. Shay also added a home run later in the game as well for his first career two homer game. But to see Pache hitting well, to see Nick Allen hitting well and seeing Shea hit well as well as it's great to see as an A's fan, and those are the guys that we want to build build with for our future, so seeing them do well when they're 23, 24 years old is something that really stands out to me. Yes, sir. Let's move on to the Mackett Sports Player of the Week, where there's a lot of running backs this week. I think if you look at the scoring leaders in fantasy, you're going to see a lot of running backs. You're not going to see a lot of wide receivers, and that's really the first week in the NFL season that that has happened. It's been a lot of wide receiver heavy weeks, but we finally get a running back heavy week. And these were the four candidates that we had this week for the player of the week. Uh, first one was Jack Jones. He's the only defensive player on this list where he had seven tackles, a four stall, one, a pick six in Patriots really close game against the Packers. We'll talk more about that game specifically. Uh, he ended up getting zero votes though. Uh, I think that's the first time I've ever seen somebody get shut out in the votes. So, Well, uh, if you put the actual AFC Defensive Player of the Week winner on there, maybe you would have got some votes. LaMarcus Joyner. Mm, I'm not putting LaMarcus <laughs> Joyner on there. Uh, but out of 22 votes, zero of them went to Jack Jones. Next up was Josh Jacobs, who had 33 touches, 175 yards, two touchdowns, and a win over the Broncos. I'll talk more about that game specifically here in a minute. Uh, but Josh Jacobs got 22.7% of the votes, which is, I'm not going to math, but a couple votes yes. there. He ends up getting third place in our vote. Miles Sanders comes in second place with 29 touches, 156 yards, and two touchdowns in the 
Philadelphia Eagles fourth straight victory. The only undefeated team in the league as they beat the Jaguars by a couple possessions. He got second place in our vote. 27.3% of the votes went to him and the winner who took 50% of the votes. That's an easy math equation. 11 out of the 22 votes went to Rashad Penny, who had 18 touches, 157 yards and two touchdowns and the Seahawks crazy victory over the Detroit Lions this weekend. So Rashad Penny, I think he got an Maxwell Sports Player of the Week last year yes. in the end of the season for one of the games because he had the crazy stretch at the end of the year where he was just rattling off 100-yard games and multiple touchdown games. And so I think this has got to be a second one. Anyways, congratulations to Rashad Penny. Let's go ahead and get to our team reports now. Yeah. Me and Skyler both got wins for our teams this past week. It's the first time that's happened this year, of course, with the Raiders winning their first game of the year. Skyler, tell me about how the Jets did, though. Yeah, the Jets beat the Steelers 24-20. to And uh, I want to start off by talking about the Jets' best player, by far, being Elijah Vera Tucker. We had five tackles injured, so he moves over from right guard to left tackle and played a perfect game there. Completely shut down that side. Um, Zach Wilson made his debut, uh, first quarter looked amazing. Second and third, not that good, but in the fourth quarter, he was near perfect. I believe 12 for 14 with a touchdown, uh, no interceptions in the second half. Uh, so awesome for him on the defense, man, sauce Gardner, <laughs> Deontay Johnson is another victim of sauce Johnner this year, uh, sauce Gardner this year, uh, the two safeties who had been playing really bad this year so far, Joyner and Whitehead were possibly the two best players on the defense uh, with a combined three interceptions. So awesome for those guys. And um, we're getting to the quarterback, Lawson, Clemens, Jermaine Johnson. It's nice to see. Kenny Pickett did come in and threw three picks. Not all his fault, but he still looked a little rattled. And obviously the Steelers aren't a great team, but it's nice to win the games we're supposed to win. And uh, it's the first time we're at 500 this late in the season since I think Sam Darnold's rookie year. So uh, we'll take it for sure. Yeah, good week for the Jets and a good week for the Raiders as actually real quick before I get into the Raiders, Aaron Judge has finally hit number 62. Wow. That just happened. Uh, Jeff Passan tweeted that out at 5.08 p.m. here on October 4th. I'm sure we'll see a ton Pacific of standard. more stuff about that. But uh Maybe we'll talk more about that in the second half, perhaps, once we get more information. But let's get back to football real quick. Uh, so with the Raiders' victory, 32-23 to over the Denver Broncos. It's our first victory of the year. And, man, did it feel good to finally beat a team. And I knew we were going to beat the Broncos because there's three guarantees in life as a Raider fan. You have death, you have taxes, and you have beaten the Denver Broncos because they haven't beat us in over three years now at this point. A little, let's go into the individuality of some players in that game. Derek Carr, 21 for 34, 188 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Didn't look great, didn't look bad. Did what we needed to do, though, with him. And that's because we relied on Josh Jacobs, who had 28 carries, 144 yards, and two touchdowns, as well as five catches for 31 yards. He was dominant in this game. And there's games in the past three, four years that we've had Jacobs that we just put the game on him. We let him do everything that he can to win us a football game. And that's what he did for us against the Denver Broncos. And I believe now he's the all time rushing touchdown leader against the Denver Broncos in NFL history. Cause he has nine touchdowns in six games against them. So he's a Bronco killer. 
Derek Carr uses legs in this game. He ran for five different first downs, seven carries for 40 yards for him. Great to see him actually moving the ball with his legs. This was the first game that Carr looked very natural and smooth with Devontae Adams. In the first game against the Chargers, he looked very forced, looking for him all the time, maybe missed some guys that were open instead of going straight to Devontae. Second and third games where Devontae had a low production, Carr didn't really look his way that much as much as he needed to. In this game, it seemed very, very natural. Nine catches, 101 yards on 13 targets. No touchdowns in this game, though, unfortunately, but still a good game for him, and I'm happy to see that that is finally coming around. On the defensive side of the ball, a couple players I want to talk about, first of which being Max Crosby per usual. Guy's a stud. Two sacks, four tackles for a loss. Just in the backfield, in every single play, it feels like. And he's just has like this Khalil Mack impact from 2016 where the Raiders defense was so bad, but there was just that one guy that was just producing every single time. That was Mack. This year, it's Max Crosby. Another guy I want to talk about, though, is Amik Robertson and how big of a game that he had. He got mossed by Jerry Judy in the first or second quarter. Jerry Judy kind of celebrated a little bit, taunted him, saying he's too small. Did not take long for Amik to show that he's not too small. The very next play blows up a screen, pushes Cortland Sutton out of the way, and then smacks Judy to the ground. A couple plays later, Melvin Gordon carries the ball. This one's a bit more of opportunity. Fumble bounces right to Amik Robertson and then a 68 yard return touchdown for him. And that's the first Raiders defensive touchdown since 2019 when Eric Harris picked off Phillip rivers on Thursday night football in that last Thursday night game in Oakland. And then he made a couple other big tackles throughout the game too. Other guy I want to talk about is Nate Hobbs who picked up the first sack for the Raiders by a player not named Max Crosby this season. Would have thought that could have been Chandler Jones, but regardless, Nate Hobbs getting sacks is a, I'm completely okay with. He also had a pass defense in that game too. So those are the three standouts on defense. Talked about a couple standouts on offense. Going into week five, we have probably the toughest game in the entire season, Monday night football in Kansas City versus the Chiefs offense that's just destroyed what looks like to be a very good Buccaneers defense. But hey, we've done it before. Maybe we could do it again. Yeah. On to a somewhat new segment. I believe this is the second or third week that we've done this. Uh, where we went right and where we went wrong in our picks. I'll let Skyler go first. Where did you go right this week? Yeah, not the craziest uh, pick here, but Cincinnati over Miami. I had it uh, over you and Brett. Um, and this is before you know we even realized how serious this Tua thing was. I just thought Cincinnati would would pound the ball and obviously Tua comes out they have a chance at the end but uh Bridgewater throws a pick so Cincinnati holds on where I went right J E T S Jets 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 I'm the only person in our pool to pick the Jets this past week I just thought the Steelers were bad and I, I don't know necessarily me thinking that the Jets are this crazy great team but they're better you than still the Steelers. do though I like the Jets. I've always liked the Jets, but I mean, hey, everybody else picked the Steelers. I picked the Jets. Yeah. Got to say that's where I went right. Where did you go wrong, Skyler? I went wrong with taking the Ravens to beat the Bills. I was the only one to do that. Uh, looking back, man, this was a close one, uh, but I really wanted it. You know, a certain Buffalo defender who I'll talk about later really saved the day for him and uh, possibly a bad call, not kicking the field goal on uh, fourth and goal, but 
I got it wrong. Bills move on. Uh, God, that one hurts, especially when we get to our pick standings. Where I went wrong, or should I say where we went wrong, because we yeah. all picked the Detroit Lions to win over the Seattle Seahawks despite not having DeAndre Swift, despite not having Amon Ross St. Brown. They're two main people on offense. I know the Lions still put up 45 points, but how did we just not see this? All four of us. We didn't. I know it's Geno Smith, but the Seahawks were in so much better shape going into this game. And even though it was a close one, it always seemed like the Seahawks had that game in their hand. So shame on us, but it is what it is. Yeah. On to a new segment that we are trying out this week, uh, where our favorite fantasy play this week is. That could be a starter sit. That could be a pick this guy up on waivers. It could be cut this guy, sit, hold on to this guy, trade for him, sell him, whatever it may be. Our favorite tip for fantasy owners or fantasy players this week. Together, what's your favorite one? Yeah, uh, you may not like this one because uh, we were trying to talk trade earlier, but I'm going to say for a couple more weeks, you got to hold on to your top running backs. If you have a Kamara or a Jonathan Taylor or a Dalvin Cook, you just got to hold on and wait because Kyle mentioned earlier last week, a little more running game involved in the fantasy scores, and that that's in the real game too. The offensive coordinators are more settled in, getting more balanced as the season moves on. So just hold on to your top running backs because you don't want to drop them when they're too uh, too low value right now. Yeah, that's a great idea. Uh, as far as for my favorite tip, I'm saying sell high on Hollywood Brown and buy on DeAndre Hopkins. The reason that is, is because Hollywood Brown has the third most targets out of any wide receiver in all of the NFL this year, only behind Stephon Diggs and Devontae, or not Stephon Diggs, Cooper Cup and Devontae Adams. So he's even got more targets than Stephon Diggs. And once D-Hop comes back in two games, D-Hop's going to get all those targets. I mean, Hollywood Brown will still probably be decent, but he's not going to be wide receiver seven. I'll tell you that right now. So buy on D-Hop while he's mm-hmm. still got a couple games worth of suspension. I know if you sell high on Hollywood Brown, he might not do, or you might still have that wide receiver one production for a couple more games. But that gives you all the more reason to get more out of that trade and have to trade less to get a guy like DeAndre Hopkins. Let's go on to where's our head at now, where we are talking about the Giants first, who are three and one. And we see this every single year where maybe not the best team gets off to this great start at three and one and everybody's hyping them up. But we kind of want to slow the roll, slow the roll on the yeah. Giants a little bit. Is this team a merchant of some luck or is there three and one just as legitimate as every other one? They're definitely a merchant of uh, at least some luck here. They played some really bad teams and Daniel Jones has already hurt, but they've still improved a lot. You know, Dable looks like the right guy. Saquon looks like he's back to his regular old self. But I, I still think they're going to miss the playoffs. And uh, this isn't something to expect every week. They played some ugly games. So in the Giants' three victories so far this year, they beat the Titans 21-20. to Titans are now 2-2. Two and two. They beat the Panthers 19-16, to who are 1-3. and three. And they beat the Bears 20-12, to who are also 2-2. Two and two. And then in their only loss, they lost to Dallas, a Cooper Rush-led team. And I know Cooper Rush is 3-0 and or 4-0 and in his four starts that he's made in the NFL so far in his career. But this offense really is not good. 
besides Saquon, they don't have anything else that is a consistent like push on the offensive side of the ball. Daniel Jones isn't going to be good enough to do that for you. He's not going to get the ball out to Southern Shepard because he's hurt. He's not going to get out to Kenny Galladay because he doesn't know how to play football anymore. Doesn't know how to get it out to Kadarius Tony because he doesn't play football for some reason. So I'm saying it is a little bit of luck. But I'm also saying this team is not a one. It should be a one and three and zero and four team. They're a solid yeah. team. They're not making the playoffs, but they're not this bum ass team that they've been the last three or four years. It sounds uh, familiar. <laughs> Let's go on to the Broncos now, who had their biggest injury of the season, one of the biggest injuries around the, all of the league uh, on Sunday when Javante Williams tore his ACL and I believe also his LCL too. Yes, sir. Uh, does this? Doom the Broncos are are they done? Can we stick a fork in them through week four? Yeah, Denver's dooms. Uh, Melvin Gordon was already really bad. Uh, and the third string dude I saw drop two wide open passes. I don't even remember his name. You know, Hackett's going to need another year with these guys in the system. I think uh, the defense has been great though. I know we were uh, talking crap about them, but they're number four right now. Uh, if they can keep that going, uh, maybe grab a seven seed. But they're pretty doomed without uh, the. Best. Let's let's be honest. That's the best player on their offense as of right now. Yeah, Javante's a stud. I'm saying they're doomed as well. I didn't think this team was that good coming into this season, comparative to other teams in the division. I know some things haven't really worked out for a couple of teams like the Chargers and the Raiders in the first four games, but the Broncos just have no firepower on offense. Cortland Sutton's good. Jerry Judy's solid, but Javante Williams was that guy on their offense and he made everything go even though it hadn't been going he was the reason why it was partially doing something and now without him they're not gonna be able to move the ball consistently their defense is good but it's gonna start being tired because they're gonna Mm. be playing so much especially this week going against a guy like jonathan taylor perhaps if he does play i think the broncos are doomed to an eight and nine season Let's talk about the Packers now, who barely escaped a Bailey Zappi-led Patriots team in his first career game, 27-24 to victory in overtime with just a, I think it was expiring, the clock was expiring as Mason Crosby kicked that field goal to give them the victory. Does this narrow victory concern you at all, or is a victory just as good as any other victory? No, this one doesn't concern me. They they still got the number five defense, number six offense. Uh, Coach Bill's always a tough one. Uh, if they lost, I think we'd having a we'd be having a different conversation. But I still think they're a top two team in the NFC, and I like Bailey Zappi too. He did his job. You know, a normal backup would go in and and probably throw two picks against Green Bay's defense. He kept them in the game. That's not going to happen every week with Green Bay. Yeah, I think that's the biggest takeaway from all of this is that Bailey Zappi is not that bad especially for his first game for a sixth or seventh round pick. He did really damn good against a pretty good defense. I'm not scared about this either. I don't think this Packers team is built for the postseason just based off of previous experiences and the guys that they lost in this past off season, but they're going to be just fine in the regular season, especially because of their next seven games. Let me tell you about the quarterbacks that they're going against. They're going against Daniel Jones in London this next week. Or possibly uh, Davis Webb because everyone's hurt there. Yeah. After that, they come back, play the Jets. Zach Wilson, I know you like him, but he's not that good quite yet. They play Carson Wentz, Josh Allen against the Bills. You're probably going to end up losing that game. Then they play Goff. Then they play Dak and the Cowboys, who are shaky. And they play Tannehill and 
the Titans before they go ahead yeah. and play the Eagles. And all those games, they're probably going to win six of them, six out of the seven. So when you end up being nine and two, nine and three, ten and two, ten and three, you're going to be just fine. I think that's exactly what the Packers team is going to do to start the year. Man, uh, let's talk about Matthew Stafford and about how bad he has been to this first four games of the season. The Rams in general have not scored a fourth quarter touchdown yet this year. Matthew Stafford has four touchdowns and a league leading six interceptions through four games. Is Stafford washed? I think he's he's pretty near washed right now, especially against San Francisco. Uh, I've had questions about his arm strength. Well, everyone has, and it's been concerning for sure. Uh, I'm not sure how much it'll impact a, a playoff run because it's still a pretty good team. They're just not as good as last year uh, because Stafford's near washed. I think they'd be better with Goff this year. Yeah, I actually think I agree with you on that. I do think Stafford is pretty washed now at this point in his career. He's not that old, but he's just been through so much in his Taking however many beatings. Years. Yeah. Exactly. All those years in Detroit don't do you too well. The Rams are sitting at two and two right now, and they've only put up 70 points in their first four games. That's not good. That's lower than the Panthers. That's lower than the Cowboys with Cooper Rush. That's lower than the commanders with Carson Wentz. There's only a few teams that have not scored Blackout. 70 points. Yeah. But, uh, I mean, their offense last year, it, it flowed because they just had so many different weapons that they could go to before Robert Woods got hurt. They had him after he got hurt. They had Odell, they had Van Jefferson who was healthy and a Cooper cup who was just so dominant last year. Cooper cup still dominant. Don't get me wrong, but it just doesn't feel the same mm-hmm. for that Rams offense. And I will say that Matthew Stafford is washed. They're not winning another Super Bowl. Probably going to go to the playoffs. Might not even win their division because the Niners look good, especially their defense of the first four Shit, games. Seattle looks better than them. Yeah. Uh, but yes, Stafford is washed. Let's go ahead and send it to halftime now, where we have perhaps the <laughs> biggest news of the past 50 years in football. Tom Brady and Giselle are getting divorced. Yeah, man. Giselle hired a divorce lawyer divorce lawyers that's not weird to say uh either this morning or yesterday whenever it was but it's all over the internet now at this point and why post is posting about it so that's when you know it's real uh what does this mean for tom brady man (laughs) is he does this mean he's gonna play till he's 60 or is tom brady gonna be depressed I think the most important thing here and why we shouldn't get too hung up on it is because famous people are so weird. You know, this kind of thing is very common, but football wise, what I'm thinking is maybe uh, when he, you know, it got leaked that he was retiring and then he came back. That's when he came home and was like, well, shit, we're getting divorced anyways. He found out then Uh, might as well come back. Um, Well, obviously sucks for Tom Brady, but I, I really don't think, I think, the reason he's been able to to do this for so long is because when he steps on the field, he's a completely different person. Uh, so I'm not worried about Tampa. Yeah, I mean, this is a weird, weird situation. There's not a lot of NFL divorces that you hear yeah. about. Uh, but this one definitely seems to hold some magnitude to it because there's always been that situation of, oh, Brady's 45, 46 years old. You know, his family's missing him. 
I can't. Everybody's saying no. Giselle's not happy about it, and of course, she's not happy about this. Yeah. We saw him take that break in training camp uh, to go on a vacation or something like that that he promised her that he would do. Bucks were fine enough that they let him do that. Uh, but something like this, I mean, how can that not invade into your your work life? You know, you don't just you don't have that ability. I know you said that he's a completely different person, and I agree with that. But something this magnitude, like somebody that you've been around for so long, that's going to carry over. You can't just shut out those thoughts completely. I think it will affect them. I don't know if it will affect them in the way that winning games, but maybe in preparation he's not as sharp because he just had this go on. And, of course, he's going to be sad about it. Uh, but this man loves football probably more than anybody yeah. else in the entire world. So he'll be end up. I think he's just going to throw for a lot of yards. He might even take it out on the other teams now. And, you know, uh, I, I kind of have a, a in real life example of something like this. So Chase, who played at Boise State, his girlfriend for three years when he's going into his fourth year was like, I read this study about concussions uh, from football. You need to stop. Or I'm breaking up with you. And he's like, OK, goodbye. <laughs> so, uh, you know, I feel like once you're in, it's very hard to get out. Maybe just another example of why this happened, you know. All right, uh, moving on. <laughs> the longest longest segment of the day is not related to football. But we're back. NFL injuries gets bigger and bigger every week. We talked about Javante. It's the uh, ACL and the LCL. It's out for the year. Going to have to drop him tonight in fantasy. Motherfucker. But we'll go to Tua. One thing I can't believe I didn't mention in the Jet Report, we're playing the Dolphins next week, and Tua's going to be out. It's going to be Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, so... Tua, I guess, was briefly hospitalized, but uh, but let go that night, Thursday, against Cincinnati, and currently has not talked to anyone and has no timetable. So that's interesting. Uh, Cordero Patterson, Falcons running back, has been going off once again this year, but injured. He's going to go to IR, uh, dealing with uh, with the knee injury. He's had surgery on the knee so many times in his career. This is how he ended up in Atlanta playing every position. Because he gets hurt every three years. Uh, so hopefully he comes back strong, though. Uh, Jonathan Taylor, more ankle tests, still questionable for next week against Denver. That would be a big play in your upset, Kyle, if Jonathan Taylor can't go. Man. Yeah. Uh, Danny Dimes, I mentioned this a little bit earlier. Um, he's dealing with a lot of injuries right now. Um, and he got knocked out of last game. Tyrod Taylor came in and got a concussion also in that same game for the Giants. So it's Davis Webb currently on the practice squad, but would be in line to start in London if they can't go. Uh, so that's something to keep in mind. Uh, Traylon Burks, the rookie receiver in Tennessee, turf toe. He's going to be out a couple of weeks. Uh, he got carted off, I believe. So I, I was thinking it was, it was bigger than this, but uh, luckily he won't be out for the year. And Shaq Leonard, Colts linebacker. We talked about this a little bit today. He already had back surgery, just came back, is already dealing with concussions, and uh, they found out he broke his nose too. So That's a rare injury for football. Yeah. I'll say that right now. You don't see well, a lot of broken noses. When you're leading with the crown of the helmet, it tends to happen. Yeah, <laughs> That's why you can't do it anymore. Uh, so, he I, again, I have no idea about him. I think he's been ruled out, um, but another questionable day-to-day. -day. We don't have to say anything, so we're not going to yet type of situation and that's the injury report uh so let's go through some of college football from last week i try to go through uh 
pretty quickly here and then to the Heisman watch after this so we can get back to the regular stuff. Uh, I mentioned Alabama. They hold on uh, against Arkansas, and they end up moving up to number one because Georgia struggled against Missouri. It took 300 yards from Stetson Bennett and uh, pretty much a perfect fourth quarter from him to come back. Uh, former undefeated team Washington loses on the road to now undefeated UCLA. UCLA now gets the the ranked nod. So good for uh, for those guys in DTR. Dorian Thompson Robinson, we like him. Uh, TCU destroys number 18 Oklahoma, 55-24. They stay undefeated. They got a big game against Kansas for the uh, Big 12 lead, uh, 9 a.m. on Saturday. So excited for that one. Uh, Clemson holds off NC State. I'll talk about more that, uh, later. That was one of my bets, but... They win it. Michigan escapes the trap game, 27-14 at Iowa. They actually scored on them. So uh, good for you, Alex. Ole Miss beating Kentucky 22-19, both top 15 teams. Ole Miss comes away. Jackson Dart, the old USC quarterback. Ohio State rolls Rutgers. Penn State holds on against Northwestern, only scoring 17. And Mississippi State and their quarterback, Will Rogers, who's been uh, a guy pretty much his entire career, they destroy Texas A&M 42-24 and uh, ends pretty much Texas A&M's chance at a, at a big bowl game. So now we'll move on to the Heisman watch. A lot of shifting around this week. I like it. Um, I'll talk about the honorable mentions first. Some guys that I hadn't talked about before. Hendon Hooker, the Tennessee quarterback. He uh, actually didn't play last week. He had a bye, um, but lots of other quarterbacks struggled. So he ends up moving up because he had 400 total yards, three touchdowns against Florida couple weeks back. Jameer Gibbs, the running back at Alabama, 200 yards and two touchdowns against Arkansas. Awesome week. He's, uh, you know, immediately takes the spot of Bijan Robinson here as the uh, honorary running back. And uh, another Bama guy to finish off the honorable mentions, Will Anderson. He's got to stay on there. Tackle and a half for loss and a half sack against Arkansas. Uh, he's just a game wrecker. So we'll get into the top five. Stetson Bennett's back in there. Didn't have a touchdown, but, um, led some great drives against Missouri and said, nope, nope, this is not ending our season. So I appreciate that. DJ Uyunglele, Clemson quarterback, nailed that name, by the way. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the, the big win against NC State, 210 and a touchdown through the air, 73 and two touchdowns on the ground. Pretty big. Bryce Young is going to drop down to the three spot here. Only 170 touchdown and a pick against Arkansas. And the injury, um, again, Saban's not going to tell us until the game starts but possibly not going to play next week. So that would be big for his Heisman uh, watch. Uh, number two, Caleb Williams going to jump him. Big game, 350, three touchdowns and a pick, and then another 50 and a touchdown on the ground against Arizona State. USC's looking pretty good, man, the new faces. And number one, C.J. Stroud. He didn't have to do much this week. Only 150, two touchdowns against Rutgers. That's because their their backup running back had five rushing touchdowns. Uh, Jeez. Really didn't have to do anything. But he's been the best out of this group so far this year. So CJ is going to get the top spot. Moving on to our NFL pick standings after Skyler Heisman watch. Thank you very much. It was a rough week for Skyler again this week. Yeah. Uh, getting last place, nine out of 16 picks correct there. Uh, the rest of this week, guys, we did a pretty good job there. Uh, Brett came in third place this week with uh, 11 out of 16 picks correct. So still a solid week, but a tough third place finish there. Me and Alex both had 12 out of 16 picks correct. However, Alex both got the Monday night and the Thursday night game right. So I'll go ahead and give him the W there. 
Alex off to a hot start this year. He leads our poll with 40 out of 63 picks correct. After that, it's me with 37 out of 63. Brett with 36 out of 63. And then Skyler coming in last uncharacteristically, 34 out of 63 picks you know, correct. Like 56% is not bad, but when we're all around 70 every year, and we have been for five years, it's garbage. Yeah. Freaking out. A couple more man. things Lucky before halftime ends. Sorry. It's all good. Uh, I had my start and sits that I've been doing for three weeks now. I'll go over them now and what we saw there. First up, I said start Jamal Williams. He had 23.9 fantasy points finishing him. at RB7. That's a great job there. Should have started him in every single format with DeAndre Swift out. Next up, I said sit Damian Harris. Didn't work out too well. He had 15.4 points at RB16 this week, so I'll take the L there. I said sit DK Metcalf, and I'm so sorry. I did not think he'd be playing this well with Geno Smith. I thought Jeff Okuda would carry his good play into this game. He did not. 21.9 fantasy points at wide receiver seven this week. Wow. However, that is a week, a week wide week, receiver week. seven, a yeah. week, week for wide receivers this week, but still wide receiver seven. I said, start Curtis Samuel. I thought Carson Wentz would look for him a lot more. He did not at all though. He had 7.8 fantasy points. I don't even know where that finished. So a rough week, one extremely green with Jamal Williams and then reds on all the other three. It is what it is there. Uh, And before we get to the second half of where's your head at, I do want to talk about the MLB and a little bit of stuff that we have going on there because we haven't talked about it in about a month now since football started. And so let me just go over some of the things that we have planned for this next episode and some of the things that have just occurred today. So on Thursday, we'll be coming out with our MLB postseason review or not review preview. Uh, as well as our exit reports for all of the other teams that did not make the postseason. So we'll be talking about every single team that day. We'll be talking about all the different postseason matchups, who's going to win what, who's going to win World Series MVP, who's taking home the trophy this year. Uh, and then we also have to talk about Aaron Judge, who I said in the beginning of the show hit his home run to break Roger Maris's record. So there is the audio clip of Judge's 62nd home run, breaking Roger Maris's record for the AL record of all time, I guess, at that point. Uh, yeah, no, he's number one, man. What's your opinion on, on all that stuff, Skyler? Do you think 62 is the actual legitimate home run record for everything, or is the Bonds thing something that we got to take into account? 62 is the American League record, Kyle. Exactly. Exactly. Thank you. Exactly. Yeah. Don't want to be one of those phonies that says that Barry Bonds doesn't Come count. on, like it didn't happen? What What are you talking about? Everybody <laughs> was doing stuff back then. A lot of people encouraged. still do it today. It just isn't found. But uh, without Barry Bonds, we would have had no Aaron Judge. Yeah. I'll tell you that right now. All right. But besides that, <laughs> let's go ahead and get back to where's your head at in the second half. Back to football. Like I said, watch out for Thursday when we have that MLB show drop. 
And it's a lot of stuff through the quarter season that we're going to be talking about uh, for these second half spot. Starting off with through the first four games, which team has surprised you the most, Skyler? I'm going to go with Seattle. I think Geno's played awesome. Penny, you know, keeping it going from the end of last year. We didn't think that was going to happen. Obviously, Pete Carroll's defense has been awful with Jamal Adams out too. But this team was supposed to be around maybe two wins for the entire year and that two and two. You know, uh, yeah. they're not in, in Bryce Young territory right now. So uh, that surprised me for sure. The team that's the most surprising for me so far is going to be Dallas. I think once we saw Dak Prescott get hurt, I think we could have said this team could be 0-4. Could be 0 and 5 when Dak Prescott comes back. And they're going to be either 3 and 1 or 3 and 2 or 4 and 1, whatever it may be, if Dak plays this week against the Rams or not. But being the Bengals, being the Giants, and being the Commanders with Cooper Rush is very surprising to me. And so the Dallas Cowboys are my most surprising team to the first yeah. four weeks of the year. What about on the other side of it, Skyler? Who's been the most disappointing? I'm going to go with the Colts. 1-2-1 and one is just a horrid-looking record to have. You know, I expected them to win the division. Maybe at eight or nine wins, but they're playing like one of the worst teams in the league. You know, Taylor can't do anything. The D is so banged up. Matt Ryan's a turnover machine. It's a mess. They're definitely the most disappointing. The team that's most disappointing for me, I think the Colts was a great answer, but I'm going to say the Commanders. They have, me and Skyler both kind of predicted this team to be like either that six or seven seed or that eight or nine seed, it's just out yeah, of the nine playoffs. And eight. But yeah. still a solid team. And they do not look good at all. No. The offense have scored 18 points in the last two games combined. They just got killed by division opponents, Eagles and the Cowboys in the last two games. They got beat by the Lions pretty bad. And their only win this year is against the Trevor Lawrence-led Jacksonville Jaguars in week one. I know the Jags have been decent, but anybody can win in week one. And the Commanders have just been so disappointing to me. I thought their, their offense would be solid with Carson Wentz, but it's clearly not. Let's move on to the fantasy aspect of it. There's always a couple guys each year that have crazy starts to the years. Who has been the most surprising fantasy-wise for you through four games? Uh, surprising for me has got to be Jonathan Taylor. Um, 3.3. Last week against freaking Tennessee. Are you kidding me? Running back 19. I took this guy number one. You know, that's uh, definitely something I. Maybe this counts as a disappointing, but for me, this is more shocking than anything. That's why I put it in this category. Yeah. The surprising thing for me, I'm going to go with Hollywood Brown. I talked about him early in our show in our fantasy football segment. But him being at wide receiver seven with 30 catches, 339 yards, and two touchdowns, and with 45 targets, third in the league, is completely shocking for me. I thought he'd be maybe a wide receiver two, you know, in that fringe wide receiver 20 through 17 category, especially through these first six games with no DeAndre Hopkins. But wide receiver seven with this amount of looks that he's getting is very shocking to me. Let's go to the other side of it with the most disappointing, or I guess just another thing for you, I guess. Yeah. Uh, who's been the most disappointing for you, Skyler? I'm going to go with Gabriel Davis here. I took him 52nd overall in our big league, the 12 man uh, PPR. And why did I say that? Everyone's play. If you don't play PPR, you don't play in a league. <laughs> but anyways, I took him 52nd. He's wide receiver 66 right now. I thought he'd be a big volume guy after the big playoff game, but he hasn't had a game with more than five receptions yet. And uh, it's been really tough. I can't play him in the flex yet. 
Yeah. After that pretty solid week one, he missed week two and then slow performances in week three and week four are tough for Gabe Davis. The guy I want to talk about who's been the most disappointing is Dalvin Cook at RB25 because we both expected him to be really, really good this year in that new Vikings offense. He's eighth in rushing attempts this year, 13th in yards, and he only has one touchdown through the first four games. We thought this guy would put up potential offensive player of the year numbers, you know, over a thousand yards, over 10 plus touchdowns, a lot of receiving looks as well, too. And he's just not getting that. Uh, he's getting some decent looks as far as rushing attempts goes, but he's not the traditional traditional Dalvin Cook that we've seen where he's getting that five or six yards per carry right now. And that is disappointing. I didn't include him because I still have hope. I think, yeah. uh, I think you know, the, a rookie offensive play caller will realize what he's got. I got hope point. for him, too. I got hope for him, too. But just uh, as of right now, it doesn't look too good for Dalvin. Mm-hmm. Let's go on to our quarter season award picks. We did this last year a ton where we were talking yeah. about our MVP ladder a lot. And I'm sure we will in the second half. But we got a whole bunch of different awards. MVP, Opoi, Depoy, Oroy, Deroy, Coach of the Year. That we're all going to go over right now and do the first four games to give our picks on who it is. I give yes, a runner up for all of these as well. Uh, I don't know I if you did, did, but uh, yeah, we can go from there uh, and start off. We'll go from the bottom award, I guess, uh, yeah. with coach of the year. Coach of the year, I couldn't decide between McDaniel and Sirianni. You know, Sirianni, I think it's more of a fluke than anything, but then McDaniel's got the Tua thing, so it's they're kind of split. If I had to pick. I'll go with McDaniel because he's he's a rookie head coach, obviously. I went with Sirianni as my pick for coach of the year. Only 4-0 team. I think that's enough reasoning and enough warrant uh, to get that coach of the year. Runner-up, I did have Mike McDaniel, though. He's yeah. been so good, and that offense has been something else. Defensive rookie of the year, Skyler. Who do you got here? Come on now. It's Sauce Gardner by far, man. He's destroyed. Not just played well, destroyed, taken out. Mark Andrews, Donovan Peoples-Jones, Jamar Chase, and now Deontay Johnson. Hutchinson has the sacks, but he's also had a lot of really bad penalties. I talked about this with Brett the other night. You know, the funny thing is, too, if you want to go with an edge, the two highest rookie re- uh, edge rushers so far, Jermaine Johnson, Michael Clemens, two Jets. So pick from the three, I don't care, but it's a Jet. How many picks does Sauce Gardner have? None, but he has... I think four deflections that led to other guys getting picks. So let me tell you this. Yes. How often has the people that choose these awards gone with the person who's just been shut down? Not yet. Never. So this time they never do. That's why I went with Jalen Petrie. Okay. That's fair. It was that's two fair. sacks, a pick, a forced fumble. He's been all over the field. It all kind of happened in one game. Yeah. But still, he's got those counting oh, he's numbers. He's been awesome. Yeah. Uh, and runner-up, I have Devin Lloyd, who has six passes defense already at this point and two interceptions. It's been great for the Jags, and he won AFC Rookie of the Year for a re- or not Rookie of the Year, AFC Rookie of the Month yeah. in September for a reason. But yeah. I like Sauce. I'm not trying to knock him. No, I know. But the, I know. they're never going to pick the guy who's just been yeah. shut down. They've never done that. Yeah, Revis didn't win uh, Deploy when he should have. They gave it to the dude with uh, with the picks. But yeah. yeah. We'll talk about it later. On to offensive rookie of the year, Skyler. Who do you got here? You know, I really hope this is Garrett Wilson, but I, I'm not doing it as a projection. I'm doing it as the if we have no um, 
what's the word I'm looking for? No prior knowledge of this, uh, just as what we've seen so far. It's Damian Pierce. He's been the best rookie, I think, at least offensively. Shit, almost single-handedly came back and beat uh, L.A. last week. He's been awesome. Yeah, there's two different guys that come to mind here. It's Chris Olave and Damian Pierce for me. I went with Chris Olave as the winner just because he has he's the ninth in the league in receiving yards right now. He only has one touchdown, but those touchdowns are coming for him. And then I went Damian Pierce as my runner-up because he's mm-hmm. been so good as well too, but just not as good as Olave in my opinion. On to defensive player of the year, Skyler. Maybe a hot take, but for me it's Jordan Poyer. He single-handedly won that game for Buffalo last week, and uh, I- I'm not really impressed with with the other edge guys. You know, obviously um, Crosby and Mac, and who's the other one? Bosa. Bosa have been good, but I- I'm taking Jordan Poyer. I went with Jordan Poyer as well for Defensive nice. Player of the Year. He has four picks through three games. He didn't even play one of the games, uh, and having four interceptions there and being as good as he is in the totality of the game is very crazy. So I went with Jordan Poyer as my winner and runner up. I went to Bosa because he leads the league in sacks so far. All Offensive right. player of the year, Skyler, who do you got here? You know, with, uh, with prior knowledge, it would be cup Jefferson or Diggs. but if the season ended today, it's gotta be Saquon. Uh, I, him and, and Nick Chubb's going to be my runner up, but, but him and, uh, and Saquon man have been awesome. The giants are not three and one without him. I went with Stefan Diggs as my winner. He's uh, one of two wide receivers who have four touchdowns for the first four games this year. Other guys, Jahan Dotson, which is kind of shocking. And he is up there in yards as well, too. He's either one or two in that aspect of the game. As far as impact specifically to their team, I think you would have to go Saquon. So I went with Saquon as my runner up. But as far as counting statistics and stuff like that, I got to go with Diggs over Saquon. On to MVP, Skyler, who do you got here? It's got to be Jalen Hurts, right? Only undefeated team. He's been playing so much better. You know, the thing is, though, it's, it's what, four touchdowns, two interceptions compared to someone like Mahomes, who's 11 to two. My runner-ups are going to be Mahomes, Allen, Jackson. Those who, if I had to bet, it would be one of the, the AFC quarterbacks to win MVP. But strictly quarter season, season ends today, it's Jalen Hurts. He's been doing everything for him. Yeah, I like Jalen Hurts. I have him as my runner-up, but I went with Josh Allen as my winner through four games. I think more specifically, he's done more to win that team football games. I think the Eagles Miles defense... Sanders helps. Too, the yeah. Bills defense is good, don't get me wrong, but the Eagles defense has been so good in the matchups that they've had so far, where Jalen Hurts really hasn't had to go win him a game. Sure, they were down 14-0 in the first quarter against the Jags, but their defense didn't allow any more points the rest of the game. Sure, they... Gave up a touchdown or two to the Vikings, but they they were never threatened in that game. Josh Allen went in and won that game for the Ravens, or not for the Ravens, for the Bills. Josh Allen went in and won that game against the Rams in week one, even though they were up by quite a bit. So I went with Josh Allen as my MVP through four games. Let's go ahead and move on to our layups and bowl predictions from this past week. And we had a damn good week. The only pick that yeah. got wrong was my Cleveland Brown, or not my Cleveland Browns, but my pick of the Cleveland Browns over the Atlanta Falcons for my layup. That did not hit. Uh, I did not think that Miles Garrett was going to get in this crazy crash just the day after making my pick. 
Yeah. So I'm still giving it a red, but maybe not as dark. Slightly lighter red. Of a red. Yeah, slightly, <laughs> slightly lighter red. I'll say that. And then Skyler had Clemson minus six versus NC State. Uh, I'm not sure how much they won by, but Ten. they did good in that game. Ten. So yeah. I ended up working there. Yeah. This week, I have the Niners minus six and a half versus Carolina. It seems a little bit like a trap game. A little bit going into Carolina. Carolina's defense is good. Niners offense isn't that good. But both of these offenses aren't that good. And both of the defenses are pretty solid. Niners defense is way better, though, in my opinion. Uh, so I'm going Niners minus six and a half. The Falcons have been playing a lot better. Arthur Smith looking pretty good. Doesn't matter, though. Uh, Tampa Bay is going to beat them by 20. They're going to take all their anger out uh, of not being able to stop Pacheco and uh, Edwards Elaire against this Atlanta team that's not going to be able to run the ball without Patterson, and it's going to be ugly. Yeah. Minus eight and a half, Tampa Bay. I like that pick. Uh, bold predictions for last week. I had Tennessee over Indianapolis at plus 160. That hit, they won by seven. Skyler had Oklahoma State win at Baylor. They that happened. Them. So yeah. two for two for me and Skyler in the bowl predictions this, this past week. This week, in honor of hockey starting this week and in honor of our dear friend Chavez Davis, I'm picking the Sharks as they play mm-hmm. in Prague, Czech Republic on Friday against the National Predators. They're plus 160 odds right now. Give me the Sharks, the first regular season game of the NHL season. All right. Uh I'm going to go with BYU to win at Notre Dame. I know it's tough to win in South Bend, but BYU's really good, man. Um, their quarterback, Jaron Hall, is – I know he's a little older, but he's starting to to look like one of those those next NFL guys. You know, Anthony Richardson and Levis, some of the SEC guys haven't looked very good this year. This could be a guy who steps up and goes in the first round, uh, and I'm going to have my eyes on him. He's going to beat Notre Dame. The Mormons got it, man. The yeah. Mormons freaking got it. I actually had a couple missionaries knock on my door today. Oh, wow. I didn't respond to them, though. I just saw the ring, and I was like, eh. Uh, there was a – you've right seen now? the show The League, right, about the fantasy yeah. football? Uh, so they have one where there's a guy who uh, who looks like Matt Stafford, and he knocks on the door, and he he's, like, doing it. And, and uh, Nick Kroll is the character. He's like, get out of here. And he's like, oh, I'm sorry. You know, uh, my savior, Matt Stafford, will – they're like, hold a sec. Oh, what'd you say, Matt Stafford? And it turns out they're like addicted to fantasy football. And they're like, we can't have sex, so we play fantasy football. So then Ruxin joins the Mormons, who's Nick Kroll's character. Yeah. Got to do what you got to do if you guys yes. trying to convert people, I guess. But uh, <laughs> So then you're missing there. out, man. But uh, <laughs> yeah, there we go, man. All right. That's going to do it for episode 108. We'll see you on yeah. Thursday for that MLB playoff predictions episode. Until then, go Raiders. Go Jess. Let's beat Bridgewater, man. Let's do it again. Beat another bad quarterback. Call ourselves elite. Adios. Later.